This is the Marked Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Heineman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how he has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We are so glad you've joined us today. Before we dive into the podcast today, I want to share with you um, about a Bible study that is brand new. It actually just came out. It came out in July of 2018. Um, It is by Lisa Harper, who I just adore. I think she's a fantastic Bible teacher. And if you've never done one of her Bible studies before, this is one you're absolutely going to love. I don't know if any of you have ever been intrigued with the life of Job, um, but just the idea of of finding joy in sorrow and and of just walking through um, life just with a lot of unexpected things. Um, This this Bible study is for you, and I know all of us can find ourselves somewhere in Job's story, and Lisa Harper does a masterful job of just kind of walking us through his life and seeing what it's like um, to really to, to suffer well and, and to find joy um, in really unlikely circumstances. It's a seven-week Bible study. You can do it with a group. You can do it on your own, um, but we would encourage you to go to lifeway.com forward slash Job and find out more about Lisa Harper's brand new Bible study, or you can check it out in the show notes. Now on to the episode. I'm so glad that you guys have joined us today for another episode, a brand new season of the Barked Podcast. I'm so thrilled about our guest today. Um, she is a woman that I have had so much respect for and just have loved watching what God is doing in and through her over the last few years. And so our guest today is Christine Kane. Christine, we're so glad you're here. Hey, Mary Margaret. I'm so honored to be on this podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, For those women who may not know who you are or what your ministry does, can you kind of give us a little bit like just the quick download on who is Christine? What do you do? Well, it depends what day of the week it is and what time of the day. So um, that question alone could take, uh, you know, the whole podcast. But essentially, uh, together with my husband, Nick, we oversee the A21 campaign, which is uh, we help to rescue the victims of human trafficking Mm -hmm. um, around the world. So we have uh, 15 offices in 13 countries. That keeps us busy. And then um, I oversee Propel Women, which is uh, helping um, activate a marketplace women to really find their their place um, as being the salt and light of, of Jesus in a lost and a broken world. And then, of course, I um, teach at women's conferences and speak on TV and write books. Um, and most importantly, I've got two little daughters, a 15-year-old and a, a 12-year-old. A 12-year-old. You know what? I just said 15. My 16-year-old will be mortified that I just said <laughs> oh, that. So I've got a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old, and I've been married for 22 years to the single most ravaging piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, you know, and I love too that you, you know, I feel like even on social media, I've been able to watch your, your girls grow up over the last few years. And just, and one of my favorite things too, is just to see when y'all push out alerts from a 21, just that, um, that women are being set free around the world. Like that's one of my favorite things to see. Cause there's, there's not a lot of good, happy things on social media some days. And that has, that's always one of the most exciting things to see is what, what God's doing through a 21. Yeah, I love that you say that because it's my favorite thing to tweet. Um, you know, I love both things. I love seeing the women and children rescued. And last week I, I put on Instagram that um, we had three, we've been working on a case in Thailand for a very long time. Um, and it was at the highest levels. There was just so much corruption in this particular province. But, you know, we had three uh, people put away for 167 years, 220 mm. years and 300 years. And wow. I think 
that is as important um, as pulling the women and children out of those horrific conditions because if we can help to stop the system that enables that kind of evil, um, I think, you know, it, it just for the long term is far more effective. So I'm glad you love that because I love posting mm-hmm. that stuff. Absolutely. It just, it's such a glimpse of, you know, I think so often we start like here, here in the United States, it's super easy just to look right around us and everything that's going on in our lives and, and lose sight of, of the, you know, the horrors of what's happening around the world or even here in our own country. Um, And so those are such good reminders to pray, to pray that God would, would continue to, to equip men and women to be those who go, that he would call some of us who are even listening today to be those people, um, to be part of the solution and to be part of, of the rescue the, the rescue plan. So, well, totally. And I think even as I talk with my own daughters, um, I think the, the easiest way to uh, move forward in life, um, I think just personally and in ministry, is to get your mind off yourself and yeah. onto someone else. And mm-hmm. I think for me, no matter how challenging maybe even my own personal situations are at times, I've said out loud and to my daughters in my home is, um, Girls, there are people right now that are caught in uh, human trafficking. What we're going through is nothing in comparison. And it just sort of sets every, it recalibrates everything and puts a lot of things back back into perspective, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It makes sense. And um, I pray that God would just continue to put those things on our hearts um, and and to take whatever action that looks like for us. And so, you know, just to, to ask the question, you know, what would that look like for, you know, a woman who's listening today who says, this is something that God has, you know, called me to, to do something about. About, you know, what would you like? Are there any first steps that they could take to being a part of the solution um, just with what you guys do or just in the bigger picture of everything? For sure. And I think, um, you know, educating yourself is a a great, great first step. I I know on the, if you go to 821.org, we have uh, listed 21 things that don't cost any money that you can do today. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of us, I think we feel like, what can I do? We are so overwhelmed with the enormity and the magnitude of the problem that we just feel like here I am, I'm, I'm a mom with kids or, you know, I'm at college or whatever you might be and think, what could I possibly do when we're talking about global injustice. So we've broken that down um, for people to say, you can do something right here, right now uh, to make a difference. And so I would encourage anyone to go online. And I think there's something for wherever you're at in life. There's a a direct next step that you can take today Mm. to help to abolish this. Awesome. I love it. And we will link to that um, in the show notes. So you guys will be able to just to go to the website, the Lifeway Women website, and and we'll link to that in this podcast notes, um, which I love that we're able to do that. Um, and I love that that's just real practical for right now. Um, and so that's something everybody can do today. Um, but as um, as we're talking today, I, I want to make sure that we mention that you have a brand new book out called Unexpected. And and I, yes, it, has I a, it has a picture of you on a Vespa on the front, which I love. <laughs> when I got it in the mail, I'm I was glad, like, this I is hope awesome. I that was unexpected because <laughs> I ride a Vespa. Um, You know, when I was living in Australia, I had a bright, hot, pink Mm. Vespa. Nobody can believe it, but I did. But um, for my 50th birthday, uh, my husband got me a nice Italian cream white Vespa because Mm. he knows how much I love Vespas. So, yeah, that's my very own Vespa on the front cover. I love it. That's perfect. And it it was unexpected. That wasn't what I was expecting to see when I opened it up, but I love it. I love it. Um, you know, well, as I have been, you know, looking over this book over the last few days and just, you know, just really reading more about what God is doing, you know, what, what were some of the things that spurred you on to write about, 
you know, unexpected things. Cause I, th- and we all face those, you know, we could all just in a moment, I say like, what are some unexpected things you face? And I think any woman listening today could make up a list of, of what those things are, but what were some of those big key things for you um, as you were looking towards, you know, putting the pen to paper or hands to a keyboard and, and um, sending this message out? Yeah, I think um, it really speaks to the times uh, that we're in. You know, there is so much chaos. Uh, a lot of things have shifted in the world, um, a lot of unexpected things, economically, morally, socially, environmentally, politically, on every mm-hmm. realm. Um, so many unexpected things happen. And then on top of that, you add just things in our own life. And I think what I noticed was um, some of my friends and people in my circle of influence were beginning to flounder as if somehow... Um, you know, that unexpected things would change the promises of God because Mm. Jesus didn't say if trials come. He said when. Well, we're all going to have trials. We're all going to have tribulations. And I think a mark of us as believers in the day in which we live and something that would make an unbelieving world really stand up and take notice is that when unexpected things happen, which is just this thing called life, um, we are still able to stand firm on the rock, which is Jesus. He's the only thing that doesn't change. Everything else um, in our life can be shaken. And I think, you know, I start the, the whole book with uh, the story in my introduction of on my 50th birthday when, you know, I had 150 of my friends over and we were celebrating and doing, you know, I'm Greek, so we were doing Greek dancing, plate <laughs> smashing. I mean, it was the whole nine yards, you know, eating lots of baklava, so much enjoyment. Well, I come off the boat where we were celebrating and there was 26 missed phone calls from my brother in Australia to tell me that um, my mother had passed away that evening. And I mean, I was, you know, just that's like life, isn't it? The, the best of times and the worst of times yes. at the same time. And you're just unexpected. And, you know, what happens like I did three years ago when I received uh the phone call from my doctor to give me the news nobody is expecting or wants to hear, you know, Chris, you have cancer. And um, like, you know, I, I really in this book just go, okay, let me peel back layers because I think sometimes uh, women think, well, you know, Chris is rescuing the victim of human trafficking and she's helping to inspire women and, um, you know, her life is kind of moving a million miles an hour. She never has anything to go through. And I think, well, let me just peel back the layers yeah. and go just like everybody else. Um, You know, many people know my story that I had experienced sexual abuse for 12 years, that I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted, and I unexpectedly found out I was adopted when I was 33. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Um, I talk in the book about, um, uh, you know, just a relational challenge that I went through last year that I thought was going to take me out. You know, David says in the book of Psalms in... um, Psalm 55, if it was my enemy that had betrayed me, I could have handled it. But when it was my friend that I used to go to the house of the Lord with, I mean, you know, so many of us Mm -hmm. go through relational fractures where you just almost crippled because you're not expecting somebody close to you to, you know, kind of just go south, I think. And so I I talk about that. I, you know, I've got lots, I've got a story of a a friend of mine, all she ever wanted to do was get married. And here she is at 39, um, still the president of the Singles to Rapture Club. And she doesn't want to be single anymore. So what do you do when you're Mm -hmm. unexpectedly still single? Or my friend that had seven miscarriages and all she ever wanted to do was have her own biological child and that doesn't happen. So it really gets real and says, okay, so what do you do? Uh, How do we appropriate the promises of God? And what does it mean in the midst of our pain and our challenges can we still expect, according to Psalm 119, that our God is good, that mm-hmm. he does good, and even the painful, sometimes traumatic, um, 
and just shocking things. Can we still expect Romans 8.28? What does it mean that God will even work those things together for our good and for his glory? And I thought, I want to speak, uh, you know, faith into people. I just kind of, Mary Margaret, they're, they're, I think the enemy is just so after our faith and there is yeah. so much fear, so much doubt. There is so much um, just unbelief and hopelessness and mm-hmm. despair out there. I'm like, hang on a minute. Let me speak faith into this from, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, so I feel like I'm a mother in the, in the <laughs> faith. I'm going, come on. I, in some of these places I've been there, some of these places I'm there right now. If I can encourage your faith, I feel like I just want to come alongside my younger sisters and go, you can do it. You do yeah. not have to give up because it's hard. Um, I want to teach you how you can leave fear behind and how you can, you know, walk forward in faith and truly know what it means in very pragmatic ways right. in a very fallen world. What does it mean um, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? And how are we going to navigate the future together? So that's that's really what it is. It's, I want to speak faith into my younger sisters. And, and that's very much what I, as I was reading this, you know, just I, and I love stories and I think that so we all can relate to stories that people tell and that's I love this that it's just so many stories of faith and so many stories of God moving and of just you know of him doing the unexpected uh, but also us facing the unexpected and and one of my favorite things um that you said in the book um was and I and you you sort of you set it up really well with what you said a second ago and you had no idea this is where I was going to go um but I love where you said um when I was 41 I started a 21 when I was 48 I started propel when I was 50 I started a global tv program when I was 51, I started graduate school. And, you know, at this point in my life, um, my attitude is like, Caleb's, what's next? I'm ready for it. I'm excited for the unexpected. I'm all in. Let's go. And then you say a few paragraphs later, I've learned in the ex that the unexpected growth God wants for us is in the stretch, not in our pulling back. And and I think for some so many of us, we hit those points where, you know, stretching hurts. You know, and oh, yeah. when we begin to like, even when, you know, like I used to run, I don't run much anymore, just to be Clearly, you know, just to be perfectly honest, but when I used to run the stretching part, like that was painful in itself, like before the run and after the run, because you're trying to get your muscles long and limber and you're trying to get them to do something that they don't really want to do in that moment. And, and some of us, we quit when it gets, when it gets hard and hurtful, like when it, when it gets painful and, and that stretching is not necessarily, it's, it's a healthy thing. It's a, it's a good thing. And, and it's how the Lord grows us. It's how he uses us. And, and so often I think so many women, like, you know, for me at 33, almost 34 or wherever, whatever age we find ourselves that we want to go, is this, is this it? Like, have I done everything? Like, and, and I love that you're just chronicling what God has done and just that he is continuing to do it. And that that, that yeah. stretching is part of the process for us to be able to grow. Well, see, I love that you're uh, saying that because that's what it is. You know, I, in, in the chapter where I talk about little by little, step by step, long way around, when my start in ministry as a, mm-hmm. you know, 22-year-old and speaking to uh, youth groups and to young women around Australia in country towns that nobody ever heard of <laughs> and just what that meant and the years of, you know, volunteering in a youth center and then mm-hmm. uh, working in youth ministry and then um, just kind of that progression, people 
today what I'm doing and I'm going, ah, there is a 25-year a, a history before I ever got to where right. I am today. And mm-hmm. then the fact that like Caleb, and I think I can speak to both generations, I can talk to the young woman in her 20s and go, okay, this is what the stretch looked like in my 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Now let me tell you what it looked like in my 40s and 50s and, you know, the next decade I'm going to be 60. Um, but I feel like Caleb, when he said to Joshua, um, listen, I'm not going to retire now. I'm not cashing in my 401k. I'm as young now. He was 85 years old. He said, I'm as young now as I was then. Now give me this mountain that is my inheritance. And I figure that if you woke up today and there is not a white chalk mark around your body, it means you're alive. Yeah. And it means Heaven is not ready for you yet. God does not want you home yet. He's got something for you to do here on earth. And that's not to get stagnant. So that means... um you know, we've got to grow and stretch. Isaiah 54 says, enlarge the place of your tent, mm-hmm. lengthen, strengthen it. And, you know, when you birth anything, any of us that have had babies, we've got stretch marks to prove that. <laughs> it, it hurts to birth anything, sweetheart. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I bear the marks. Yeah. And I think what happens when you get to my age and stage, you can actually hide behind the momentum of what you once did, mm-hmm. but you're not in faith now for what God is doing today. And I think um, there is no way we can inspire a generation. I think a generation that says, wow, Chris, is, this is real. This thing is real. Jesus must be real. The call of God must be real. The adventure of faith. And that's a big thing I want to highlight in the book, not just unexpected sort of negative, painful things, but I think we live with too small a view of what God wants to do. Mm. I think God wants to do unexpected things through our life. I mean, I am the kid that was left unnamed in a hospital. I mean, my birth certificate does not have a name on it. It says child's name, unnamed, number 2508 of 1966. So I'm the kid that was sexually abused, that was abandoned in a hospital, that was adopted, lived in the poorest zip code in my state, second generation migrant. I mean, I've got every reason to not have done anything with my life. But I want to show people that truly when you allow, surrender your heart and your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when you allow his redemptive work at Calvary to, to truly do a work in your life, mm-hmm. then you're for an unexpected adventure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never have picked the life that I'm living today. Um, I could, you know, it's not easy, but it is awesome. And um, I'm telling you, it is a, a faith adventure. So I want people to embrace the unexpected journey that Jesus has, the unexpected adventure. And I want to actually elevate our view of God and go, hang on a minute. And, you know, of course, the whole foundation for the book is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything we could ever ask, hope or think. And I think it keeps you young. Yeah. I've got a year old and a 12 year old and you know when I go to um, grandparents day at my (laughs) middle school um, it is hilarious because in Sophia's class when I I remember I was sitting in the third row with grandparents and I was the parent and I was actually older than three of the grandparents (laughs) in my row and I started laughing and I thought it's so typical well I owe it to my daughter to it's not her fault that I had her at 40 so I need to make sure that I am fit and I'm healthy and that I have a zest I want I always say to my girls you know they're like mom um you embarrass us I go absolutely I'm going to be super granny for Jesus I want a glint (laughs) 
I, I want to spring in my step. I want them to know that this Jesus that I serve is not boring, is not mundane, that he's not finished with me. And I, I hope that that spirit comes through in the writing of the book because I want to inspire those that are my age and older to go, come on, you've still got a race to run. And I want to inspire those that are younger than me to uh, to go, come on, I want to believe God for even more. So mm-hmm. I hope I hope I hit that in the book. Yes. And, and I believe you did. And I think that there are women listening today, you know, who this is such an encouragement to them to go, okay, like, you know, even though I may, I may feel like I'm in a stall or I'm in a, like, just kind of in between things where I'm just not sure what God has for me next that he is until we have that white chalk mark around us until we are dead and in the ground, you know, he, he's not done with us yet. Totally. Totally. There is so much more. And I think, you know, there's, I remember, um, Watching a, a play once on Broadway, I wish I could say it was a scripture reference, but it was a play and it said, um, <laughs> most of us are dead before we die. Mm-hmm. And the thing that kills us is all of this unused life that we have on the inside of us. And I think a lot of us, um, you know, Jesus came, he says in John 10, 10, that, he, that we may have life and life more abundant. And I think part of that abundant life is the fact that we live every single moment of every single day. God has numbered our days, the psalmist say. So we we actually, this life is just a vapor. So I don't want to waste the vapor. I don't want to waste it in regret. I don't want to waste it in apathy or lethargy or indifference. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, a dead poet society, I want to suck the very marrow out of life. I mean, this is the only time I'm going to get life and time. I mean, once I finish this and it expires, I'm going to be in eternity. So I don't want to waste one second of life on this planet that Jesus has given me. And I want, you know, it says uh, in the book of John that it is to our Father's great glory that we bear much fruit. Mm -hmm. And I think always with anything that I write, and Unexpected, of course, speaks to this, I want women of God to be fruitful because it is to God's great glory that we uh, bear much fruit, not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. And Mm -hmm. if God picks the times and the seasons in which we live. And according to the book of Acts, that's what he says. If he picks that, then that means he knows that any woman listening listening to this podcast today, whatever age she is, God has actually picked for her to be alive at this time, in this season, in her city, wherever she's living, and that he's still got a plan for her. He's still got a purpose for her, that any failure we may have had is not fatal and it's not final um, because of what Jesus did for us at, uh, you know, Calvary, that every one of us has forgiveness for our past, a brand new start and a hope for the future. And I want to speak to that hope in every woman and I want to help activate her to fulfill her God-given destiny and potential. And I think if um, you know, there are so many chapters that deal with so many of us feel insecure. We feel like we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel like we're not talented enough. We feel like we're not, you know, eloquent enough or gifted enough. And I, I want to dispel that myth. We are exactly who we need to be. God created us. He doesn't make mistakes. And nobody needs to be Christine Kane. They just need to be who God has made them to be. And the biggest lie of the enemy is to make us feel that we are not good enough to do what God has called us to do. And I just, I, You know, I felt that shame and that lie for most of my life with Mm -hmm. my background. And I want to dispel that myth in women's lives and help them to understand they are a daughter of the King, created in the image of Almighty God and perfectly endowed to do everything God has called them to do this side of eternity. Amen. Amen. And and I think so many (laughs) of us do. We we struggle with that of just in these moments, you know, where, where we're 
in one moment so confident that God is moving, he's at work, and then we hit this moment where we're like, was that really him? You know, like, was it really, you know, and it reminds me of John the Baptist asking that question while he's in prison going, you know, was it really Jesus? Like, or should we look for another one? Like, was, was this really him? And I think that that gives me comfort when I do have those moments of doubt, but too, of Jesus then turned around to, to John the Baptist disciples and, and did miracles and great works to, to prove to them, to send them back to go, yes, it was him. You know, it, it was him calling us and it was him moving and, and doing these miracles. And um, so often that's that's those are attacks of the enemy coming in to try to get us to to keep our eyes off of where they should be and to do the thing I that God has always, called us to do. Yeah. And it's a fight that I think we have throughout all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and um I think that's why our daily quiet times and our daily disciplines are so important because it's the only way we can reorient our minds to remember um, this is all about Jesus. If I can fix my eyes on Jesus, then I know that I will finish my course. And um, I think there are so many distractions and so many other attractions in life today that try to get our eyes off Jesus. The minute we lose sight of who he is, uh, then we lose sight of we can do through him because actually our confidence can never be in our ability or our gift or our talent. Our confidence is ultimately solely on who Jesus is is in us. It doesn't matter how gifted I am. I am not ever gifted or talented enough uh, to live an Ephesians 3.20 life. It's only Christ in me that is the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. It's not me in me. Me in me is really not great. And uh, uh, so I work very hard. I think if people go, Chris, what do you focus most on? And I could say in 30 years of ministry, 29 of those years, full-time ministry, um, my greatest, uh, really my non-negotiable and still the greatest challenge that I have to make myself do every day and, and not allow other things to distract me and increasing responsibilities and a larger ministry to pull me away from daily time with Jesus where I can just fix my eyes on him through his word. Yeah. And um, it's it's my one non-negotiable. You know, I travel a lot, my husband and I and our family. We have 15 offices around the world. Um, Propel is in 45 countries around the world. So people go, where do you live? And I say, you know, in an airplane, we do laps of the globe <laughs> as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but my non-negotiable is to be daily in the word because if I'm not, uh, that's not a religious obligation. That, that's called survival. You know, that's called like, how do I keep going? That's how I keep going. Um, it, because without that, um, it's not, I always say, people go, Chris, how do you balance everything? I mean, of course, that's the question I'm asked most. You know, I have two daughters uh, and I, you know, a husband and a, a large global ministry. Um, Christian, how do you do it? How do you kind of keep your fitness in order, your family in order, your faith in order. Um, I have over 200 staff around the world. How does all of that happen? Well, um, that is because I always say it's not what you do for God that's going to burn you out. It's what you actually don't do, and it's what you stop doing. So I think it's if I stopped my spiritual disciplines, um, my life would get out of order, and then that would cause everything else to spiral out of control. Uh, The fact that, you know, I say my life is actually not complicated. 
um, because it focuses and surrounds itself around Jesus. My greatest priority is to make sure that that's in order. And so I say my, my life is like a wheel. And so in the middle of that wheel, there is a hub. And then there are spokes. Of course, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm an employer. I'm an author. I mean, there's all different spokes of that wheel, that which represent the roles that I play in, in life. Um, but I find that if I focus on the hub, which is Jesus, and um, I'm in the Word, and I am very, very focused on that relationship, and then of course the the I call the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit keeps that wheel spinning. Um, <laughs> but, you know, surely if I'm in the Word, and um, you know. My, my heart's in order and my family is in order, then surely the Holy Spirit through his word is going to nudge me in a direction if one of my daughters needs more attention or one of my officers or what. And so I, I go, I don't look for a perfectly balanced life every day. Mm-hmm. I actually have a perfectly imbalanced life. So there are different seasons and some, some seasons if I'm writing. Some of the other things in my life um, come second and third. I can't do everything all the time at 100%. So different things at different times have uh, different areas of focus for me. Big picture, the one non-negotiable is Jesus, the Word, and my um, daily devotionals. That then actually sets the course of everything else in my life. So I'm not trying to go, okay, I have this hierarchical order and it's, you know, God first, then family, then church, then this. I mean, there, I don't have enough time in a 24 hour day to fulfill a supernatural destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need supernatural empowerment from a supernatural God to fulfill a supernatural destiny. So I find that if I have a right order in terms of fixing my eyes on Jesus and my home and my family being um, being in order, it is amazing to me how Jesus goes before me and makes a way where it seems impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I just go, I don't quite know right. how this is all going to come together. So of course, do I live a disciplined life? Yes, there are. I'm, by God's grace, um, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I work out every day, um, and that is very important for the amount I travel. Um, I'm 51 and a half years old, so uh, I think oftentimes we're limited by our physical health, so I eat mostly healthy. I call it the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. I eat 80% really healthy and then 20% whatever I want. And so, um, so because I think, um, you know, I, I need to have a little bit of an escape. I think we all do, but right. I'm, you know, my physical body, if I can keep my spiritual life healthy, my physical body healthy, I've been in one church for 31 years, so, you know, I'm accountable to... Uh, my pastor and our eldership and um, by God's grace, you know, I'm, I really do have a great husband who Nick leads all of our ministry. He oversees all of our staff. So um, it just kind of, we work together for, in our in our case. For some people that would never work, uh, in our case, we're pretty much in the same room for 90% of our life. So we mm. better like each other. Yeah. Um, and it works really well. So th- that kind of helps keep things on the same page. Um, our daughters love what we do. So both of them volunteer two days a week after school at A21. They love, they write letters to survivors and they love doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we're all in this together. There's not like a competition of time or anything. I, th- I think God has really 
made a way for us. And then, of course, I'm very sensitive to what my girls love to do. You know, I never try to superimpose my call upon them. Um, that you know, I, I love being involved in what they do. My eldest loves volleyball. My mm-hmm. youngest loves uh, musical theatre, and so she's always in some musical theatre play. And mm-hmm. it's great because I'm an English major, and I played sport for my state, so I can vicariously live my life through both of them. It's wonderful. <laughs> and so, um, so you know, we we just. Uh, we we have a very simplistic view of ministry in our in our home. We just basically love God, love people. It's mm-hmm. about that simple. And so out of that, I think everything else flows really easily. And I haven't I don't feel like I'm driven by ministry. I feel like I'm compelled and drawn by the call of God. And when God draws you, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. The only time I've had a tension in my life and perhaps have gotten out of balance in a really wrong way is if I have moved over into the flesh and I have somehow tried to find my significance or security through my ministry or what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think um, and I think that's why Paul in the book of Philippians says, um, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Selfish ambition will destroy you. And you know you have clicked over from godly ambition to selfish ambition um, when you are trying to drive what you do, when you're obsessed about um, you know, your social media following and about uh, where you're invited. And, um, you know, when you start, the Bible says, you know, don't compare yourself amongst yourself. That's not wise. But when you start comparing and competing and you are driven, and I think for any young woman in ministry, I think if you are faithful where you are with what's in your hand, um, it is God that opens doors that no man can shut. Promotion does not come from the north, south, east or west. It comes from God. And if you can rest in the grace of God, if you can rest in the call of God and you understand that God, uh, he will equip you if he's called you, um, that his burden is easy, his yoke is light. You don't have to try to make anything happen. There's so much language out there, I think, in the marketing space that talks about build your own platform. I think it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think build the kingdom of God, serve people, love people, and God will build your platform. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot safer because if God puts you there, God will keep you there. Yeah. If you put yourself there, you will have to fight to keep yourself there. And I know that I do work hard. There's no doubt about that. But I work hard um, as a sense of stewardship to God because to whom much is given, and I believe God's given me much, much is required. But hard, good work, that's godly stewardship, is very different um, to being driven out of a sense of insecurity or trying to attain your significance or security or your value or your esteem from your ministry or what you do. It will destroy you. It will eat you up. And I think the fact that I've survived, not just survived, <laughs> but by God's grace and still thriving and still love it, and I love God and I love people after 31 years, is because I don't feel, by God's grace, and I've got a lot of accountability in my life, but I don't feel uh, driven by something broken on the inside of me, but I feel compelled by the call of God Mm. um, to continue to follow Jesus. And in that process, he continues to make me a fisher of men. And I think that just, that actually makes you... I mean, I'm talking to you now with this huge smile on my face, and I'm like, I love what I do, and I do what I love. Um, but, you know, I've got to fight like everybody else to, to keep my ego in check. It's very important that we have great accountability around mm-hmm. us, very wise counselors. And, of course, I've got my husband and a fantastic board and great elders and people that have been in my life for 30 solid years. So they knew me before and after. 
And so they can ask all the hard questions yeah. and they can see, you know, um, down to everything, every book that I write, uh, anything that I'm teaching, anything that I'm, I'm communicating in any way, anything that I, um, you know, even with A21, opening a new office, uh, there are just so many checks and balances in my life um, that would ensure that, Chris, are you doing this for the right motive? Are you doing this because you feel like you have to or are you trying to prove something to someone? Um, or is this something God is really calling you to do to help reach more people and to serve more people? And if our motivation is um, obediently responding to God's call to serve and reach more people, there'll always there will always be a grace for that. Yeah. But the you are compelled by any sense of selfish ambition. I think that's when you start finding that things become difficult, that the grace appears to be running out, that the fruit of the Spirit is not there. Now, there are some things you've got to push through, mm-hmm. um, but if you are consistently driving something, I'd have to ask the question whether the Lord is drawing you right. or whether there's something else motivating you. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think that's a really, really good point to make and just something that we can all listen to because I think the world tells us is like, you know, you, you talk about you and it's like, no, let me, like, my job is to talk about Jesus and, and to, yeah. to lift his name high and then we we just let him do what he wants to do with with what it is that we have in our hands. I think that's so so crucial. Such a good reminder for us to hear. And and is one last question that I wanted to ask you today, just because we asked this of all of our all our podcast guests. But um, what you know, and I know that this could be a variety of things in your life. But um, but what is something or someone um, or a situation you've been in that, that has really marked you? Since we're on the marked podcast, you know what um, what is one significant thing in your life that has just been a moment where this that has really marked you? You know, well, I could have so many because I think, which way do we go uh, (laughs) through all of this? Because um, I just know, you know, and again, it's such a defining moment in my life. And it goes right back to the last Sunday night in uh, January in 1989, when I walked into uh, what has now been my church ever since. Um, and I remember walking, it was at Hilton Church in Sydney, Australia. A friend invited me. Um, and I don't know what has marked me more, walking into the church or the fact that someone cared enough to invite me to church. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking in, it was a six o'clock service on a Sunday night. And that sense of uh, just being loved welcomed and this feeling of like I'm home Mm. Um, and I've never left you know here I am almost 30 years later and why I say it marked me in the way that it marked me so profoundly was my love for the local church and my commitment to church because I was so broken and I was so fragile but the fact that somebody loved me enough to invite me into their local church and a community of people came around me, invited me to a small group, began to nurture me and disciple me through the word. In that place, I found healing. I found wholeness um, and love and community. And, you know, here I am today, three decades later. But that has marked my love for the local church and nothing has changed that in three decades. Mm, I love it. And, um, and that is, it's God's plan for building his kingdom. And, and that's, I love, I love that so much. And, um, and we all could, could use a dose of reminding ourselves of why, you know, where we're based out of and like, where, you know, who are those people in our local church that we're, you know, do they know us or not? You know, are we, um, in that position where they know what's going on and they've got our backs and they're supporting us and doing the thing that God has called and wired us to do. And I think that's a, 
a crucial place for us to be anchored is in our church. And that's huge. Um, but thank you so much for, for just chatting with me today and just talk a little bit about what, about what God has done in your life, what he's currently doing, how you're managing family and, and ministry and all of that and all for the glory of God. And I, I love it so much. I'm so grateful just that we got to talk. Hey, you're awesome, Mary Margaret. Thanks for having me. You are fantastic. Well, Chris, this has been a blast. And I hope that as you guys are listening today, that you have have heard something that you can do something with and that you can take action, that you can take a next step wherever it is that God has called you. And um, and so I hope that you will do that today with boldness and with a lot of courage and um, and that you'll just be obedient to the call that he's put on your life because you never know where it may lead. And so whatever age you are, you you are not um, you're not finished. You're not done. He is not done with you yet. And so um, if you guys want, we will um, post a link to A21 and to um, to the 21 things you can do today that Chris mentioned earlier, as well as to A21 and their ministry, what they do, um, and Chris's new book. We will um, have all of that at lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast. You'll be able to find today's notes, and we will um, see you guys next week on the Mark Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MaryMargaretC and at EDHeinman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com forward slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We'll see you next time.